that's a growler. Welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we analyze and theorize Beauty and the Beast, the 1991 Disney film. We are excited to have Rick and Julia from Mad Max Minute with us again today. And we are excited to be here. And I am Janae, one of your co-hosts, and we've also got Bobby here with us. Hey guys, we're excited to have you here for the last minute of this week, Minute 20. Janae, how does this one start off? So, Minute 20 starts off with one of the cool things that I noticed was um, the uh, dandelion seeds that Belle just set free into the wind. And Philippe running into the meadow alone with the invention tied to his back and no Maurice. And it ends with Belle going up the staircase in the castle searching for Maurice. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, okay. So, we determined that this is one day later. Correct. Right? Since Maurice left. So, literally, so, Maurice left on, let's say, a Monday. This is, like, Tuesday afternoon. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. Cool. So... From one morning till the afternoon, evening of the next day. And she just, as we talked about in the previous minute, doesn't even hesitate. She realizes, okay, where is my dad? What is going on? She asks Philippe the horse as if he can tell her (laughs) where her dad is. (laughs) Because she is an animal whisperer. And... uh, she tells him to take her to her dad, and I just think it's funny because they go right up to the castle. How does Philippe, this brilliant, wonderful horse that we all love, know where the castle is? Because he never went to the castle. Yeah, because hmm? Maurice was chased there by wolves. And right. I mean, wasn't, weren't the wolves there attacking the cart when Maurice and Philippe were separated? Yes, and they chased Philippe away and apparently back to okay. Belle. So if if Philippe could talk, he probably would say something along the lines of, Oh, your dad? Yeah, I left him to die to get consumed by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Papa? Well, I can think of several places where Papa could be. Oh, and, my God. And they're all stomachs. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because he's obviously been running all day because it was night when he and um, Maurice got separated. It was like evening night. So he ran back all night and half the day. That's a long run. It is. Maurice got quite a distance away. I would assume that... He wasn't running the whole time and that he took lots of breaks because horses only have so much stamina. Right. And Philippe is in a position to keep going. Mm. He, he grabs Belle right. and heads back towards where he lost Maurice. So I would assume that he took 
very good care of himself on his trip back to Bell. Mm-hmm. So that he could just turn around and keep going. Yeah. Plus, the advantage of not having the cart attached to his harness on yes. the ride back is probably a definite advantage. You made it over faster for them to get back. Yeah. yeah, dragging that cart. What I find interesting about them getting back to the castle so quickly is how they aren't being harassed by wolves, and so it's like. <laughs> and what it's, happened to all of them? Right. It's not like they got a good meal out of Maurice or the horse. Yeah. Which means they, the probably enchantress. Found some, they probably found some other villager. <laughs> it was the Enchantress, don't yes, you know? it was the Enchantress. <laughs> I can imagine... Okay, so Maurice was one inventor. I imagine there was probably, like, another inventor, like, coming no. down the road the other way. And the wolves, they lost out on one, so like, oh, man. And then this other inventor comes fumbling along, and they're like, ah, dinner's on. My favorite, kook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness the crazier the better <laughs> <laughs> oh that's sad i would like to imagine that this experience in the woods inspires maurice later in life to invent some sort of anti-wolf mechanism <laughs> for, to attach to his cart you know a gun <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they already have one of those? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but who wants to bring Gaston along? Because he's apparently the only one that has a gun. Yeah, I'm not sure a gun in the hands of Maurice is a very good idea. No. He would probably be one of those guys that pulls the trigger and then gets knocked over by the recoil. So how do we know that it wasn't the Enchantress is my question. Because if you think about it, maybe the wolves came because she wanted Maurice and Philippe to get separated. So Maurice would end up in the castle so that Belle would come find him so that Belle would end up in the castle. I like that because the Enchantress wants to teach him a lesson. She wants him to learn to love and be loved. So the fact that he hasn't made any progress whatsoever up till this point and things are starting to get close, that she is guiding events. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the pack of wolves is kind of also the enchantress's thing because she's so spiteful. She wants him to be cursed forever, so she fills the woods around the castle with wolves. <laughs> she is not a nice lady. See, although wolves are a common thing in France, let's just—I mean, okay. even now, since 2013, there have been sightings of wild wolves in France, in Paris. So. There is that, too. So I have a little bit of my theory that I guess I'll go ahead and uh, put out there and see how it works. Um, So I don't think that the Enchantress is, like, directing things. I think she came and she did her thing and she left the curse there. Um, But the, the thing I've been working on is that... I think the curse follows the law of conservation of energy um, and it has a power source that it's working that it's using to to make this this curse and this magic happen um but that 
that power source can't last forever. Um, so the curse, it, it falls over the, the castle and kind of the grounds of the castle. And it's looking for someone to come and break the curse to release it from having to expend this energy constantly. Um, so part of that is that the the curse that kind of made everybody forget the castle was there didn't fall over the animals, which is why Philippe knows about the castle and can take Belle back there. Uh, how does he know that Maurice ended up there? That uh, I'm not really sure about yet. Um, but then we see when, when Belle arrives, the gates are closed. And this is the same thing we saw when Maurice got there. The gates were closed and he couldn't open them. And then all of a sudden they opened and then they closed again behind him and kept the wolves out. And the same thing happens when Belle arrives here is the gates are closed and then she turns and looks and sees the hat and the gates are open for her. And uh, then they close again, we're assuming, to keep the wolves out. So I think that the the castle itself is under a spell that's drawing people in, uh, kind of like we were talking about a little bit earlier, to try and resolve this, this energy crisis that it's having to maintain itself. Okay, what if the two halves of the gates... Because everything in that castle used to be a person. What if the two halves of that gate used to be the gate guards? Like, they are alive. Well, the part of the theory that I've been coming up with is that only the objects that have faces and features were people. Um, so we see a lot of, like, the plates and utensils and stuff that don't have faces. So there's a distinction between people who became objects and objects that are animated in the castle. And because of this conservation of energy that the spell is working on, it's consuming the energy of the people to animate the objects. Um, so that's why some of the objects mm -hmm. have kind of personalities because they are sapping their life force from the people that are under the spell and that are in object form. So I don't think the gates would be people, but they might have kind of a personality that they're drawing from some of the other servants that are in object form. I do like that. I do like that idea. Um, now, I do like the idea of, like, there's a power source that's feeding the curse, but I almost want to, like, say that it kind of would work in the opposite direction. Like, the reason there's a time limit on the curse is because at the end of that time limit, like, the reason it's reversible up to that point is because there pa there is power flowing into that curse. Mm -hmm. And once that last rose falls, then the power source is gone and there's no way to reverse it. Like, almost right. like a door is being op held open, and as soon as that last metal falls, that door is going to slam shut forever. Um, Janae, isn't there something in the new movie about that? Like, when the last metal falls, something bad happens? Yeah, so that was one thing that definitely was different than this movie, is because this movie... Um, well, we're totally getting way ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but... I you don't um, have to be too specific. <laughs> In this movie, she loves him just in the nick of time. And in the new movie, the Enchantress is actually still around. She disguises herself and she ends up coming back at the end. And it's kind of like the curse does end. Like everything has changed but then she's like there and because she hears bell say that she loves him she chooses to reverse it hmm. which i totally just ruined that movie for anyone who has <laughs> <not seen it. laughs> i'm so sorry it's not your fault um, it's mine 
<laughs> so spoilers, but uh, yeah, I I don't want to get into my thoughts about that difference at the moment. But yes, that is one difference, and um, it does relate because she is the one who comes and reverses the curse. It isn't reversed on its own. Hmm. It's almost like she was watching over him and over the town the whole time. What an interloper. <laughs> Messing with normal people. I was going to say, you, you can't make her into a nice person. No. <laughs> no. I don't think I could wager ever, ever under that delusion that the Enchantress is a good person. <laughs> I mean, there is that half second in the beginning with, like, the stained glass, where she does look sad when she's placing the curse on him, but <sighs> other than that, there's not a whole lot of indication. That would be like having a little kid bump into you at the park and, like, taking away their ice cream cone and being like, you deserve this because you're a bad person. This really hurts me that I have to eat your ice cream now, but, you know, screw you, kid. <laughs> and then walking away. Like, that's well, what the Enchantress did. She is a bad uh... person. Well, it's kind of funny you said that because in one of the original versions of the script, uh, the prince bumps into her um, without knowing who she is and doesn't apologize for it. And that's why he's turned into the beast and cursed. Um, so mm -hmm. in your example, I don't know what you would do to the kid besides <laughs> taking away his ice cream, but definitely something more drastic. Mm. <laughs> well, moving on, if we like we go, she finds his hat, we go inside the castle, and I love this little scene where Cogsworth and Lumiere are sitting there or on this table, and Cogsworth is pacing, and he's going on and on about, oh my goodness, Lumiere, it's your fault, and you just had to do this, and you just had to do that, and how could you do this? You're so annoying. I can't believe you. And Lumiere is just standing there indifferently with this face that's basically saying i don't care i don't care you can just you know be as angry as you want my nose is in the air at you okay it's just so funny so cogsworth and lumiere are basically the r2d2 and c3po of this movie right <laughs> yeah, like, sure cogsworth is the uptight yes and proper one and lumiere is the more you know laid back fancy free like we savvy one yeah this is r2d2 and c3po <laughs> i had never thought of that but yes that totally fits <laughs> which is which is crazy uh, to think because lumiere is the gold one so you would think the other way around but got a tall gold one and a small round one one of the funny things that Cogsworth does here is he, like, makes fun of Lumiere's accent. He, like, starts to do this, like, fake French accent, talking like he's Lumiere, and he's like, Sit in the master's chair, pet the pooch. In his accent, and I just thought it was so funny that he is making fun of Lumiere and just, like, so annoyed with him. Uh, I love it because they're in France, like... Lumiere's accent is the proper one. Yeah. If I know, anything, right? Lumiere should be making fun of Cogsworth's accent. I know. Well, and it's funny because Lumiere's only defense is, I was trying to be hospitable. And it's so funny because um, I think these days in America, we think that French people are really, I don't know, rude or don't like Americans or 
anyone. I don't know. But all the French people I've met, I went to a wedding in February that my friend was marrying a man from France. So I got to meet lots of French people and they were all so nice. So French people, not all of them are crazy. Many of them are hospitable, apparently. Well, I mean, so. you know why Lumiere is so hospitable is because he's not played by a Frenchman. Ooh. <laughs> he's played by Jerry well. Orbach. He's played by Who Jerry. Who does a great job, I think. Jerry, I put baby in the corner, Orbach. <laughs> Like, Detective Lenny Briscoe is Lumiere. That blew my mind. But honestly, I think he does a better job than... Oh my goodness. Than... Uh, oh, name escaped me. David Ogden Steers? No, no, no. As no, Cogsworth. he's brilliant. No, no, no. The... I absolutely love him as Cogsworth. No, the new Lumiere. Oh, the new um, one. Okay. I just think his accent is so awful in the new one yeah i didn't even see it and i think that uh i mean some people may think it's okay which for some people it is but for me no i'm sorry they should have gotten a french actor for the new one so this is That's my rant to the end <laughs> <laughs> sorry so this is y'all's first look inside the castle um what are your impressions of it let's see you would think with an army of sentient feather dusters it would be a little more uh what's the phrase i'm looking for less dusty <laughs> oh oh ewan mcgregor played you lumiere in the new one yes that's who it was Obi-Wan i love that Kenobi. actor i love ewan mcgregor but i do not love him as lumiere and i actually don't love um ian mckellen as oh. cogsworth either sue me if you hate me for that but I it's didn't just, think either of those casting choices were very good. It's tragic that, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Gandalf the Grey can't, you know, work together well. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma Thompson is Mrs. Potts. They poured uh, I, so much money into this movie. <laughs> we won't even go there. I just was... <sighs> yep, we're getting way off track here. <laughs> Yeah. Way off track. Going back to who I said earlier, though, David Ogden Steers as Cogsworth, this isn't the last Disney movie he did because he came back to do Governor Radcliffe in Pocahontas, and he was also the archdeacon that stops Frollo from killing the baby Quasimodo. Oh. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, I mean, I've I've looked into him a lot, and I think he is so brilliant as Cogsworth because, I don't know if you're aware of this, um, which... You've probably listened to the first episode, but he also did the voice of the narrator at the very beginning, mm-hmm. which is a completely different sound. And so I just, I think he's so funny. Yeah, he's pretty he does great. A great job. But I didn't know he was in other Disney movies. Learn something new every day. So that, I guess, pretty much wraps up what happens in this minute. And we're coming toward, I mean, this is the last episode of the week. And we didn't ask you guys what is your first experience, you know, did you grow up with Beauty and the Beast? How did you get exposed to it? And uh, what what role did it play in you guys' lives? I think that Beauty and the Beast might have been the first Disney movie that I saw in the theater. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I saw uh, The Little Mermaid in the theater, and I don't think I did. I think first movie I saw in the theater, like, at all, 
was Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. And, yeah, just watching it my whole childhood. Yeah, me, on the other hand, I was definitely one of those Disney VHS kids where my parents just had the entire collection. (laughs) And so I just grew up with Beauty and the Beast in the rotation, basically. Um, And so, yeah, I, I can't pinpoint exactly what was the first time I ever saw it or anything like that. But it's just always just been there. And I definitely liked it more than than some of the other earlier offerings, like Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or anything like that. Just because it did have that action to hold the attention of, you know, a little boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. Awesome. Awesome. That's pretty much... Like, exactly my experience with it. I think I said pretty much the same thing in the episode zero when we started out. I just kind of grew up with it. And it's always been there, always been a staple to go to when you need something awesome to watch. But I guess that wraps up our time together. Um, unless y'all have anything else y'all wanted to mention about this minute. No, I'd just say it's been a great time hanging out with you this week and going through all of these minutes that you invited us to go over. It's been, it's been like the entire gamut of this, the experience. It's been really fun. Yeah, we're glad you guys got to come on. Um, you guys are kind of our, our first guests that have come on for a full week. And so it's a new experience for us, but definitely enjoyable. And we're glad that you guys were able to, to come and share your insights on Beauty and the Beast with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting us. That's, that's quite the honor. Well, thank you guys again so much for coming on. Thank you for our listeners. We love you and we appreciate you and are excited for you to be going on this journey with us through Beauty and the Beast. If you want to get a hold of myself or Bobby, you can find us at growlermedia.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, like us, follow us, Beauty and the Beastly Minute or at Beastly Minute. We are on Twitter as well, at Beastly Minute. And yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and to hear your theories about the minutes that we're discussing as we go through. Rick and Julia, where can people get a hold of you? People want to check us out, they can go to our website, madmaxminute.com. You can find all of our stuff there. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. We hope that all of you have a great weekend and that you will join us again this coming Monday. Our theme music is by Duo Hansen. Something is really different on the growler.